0: Saints of our Lord, and welcome to Thy Strong Word. I'm your host, Brady Finn, pastor of Messiah Lutheran Church in Sartell, Minnesota. Thank you for tuning us in this morning on Worldwide KFUO. Christ for you anytime, anywhere. A blessed Lent, almost a holy week to all of you this Tuesday, April the 5th, as the light of Christ shines on us from Matthew chapter 25. We come to the end of really the end times narrative that Jesus gives. He teaches so beautifully about what to expect, how we will not know the time, and today we get that kind of final piece. He uncovers that last uh, 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 part of the present to show us what will happen when he actually does return, and we get this glimpse. I've seen Jesus on his glorious throne, and it brings back to me a song that I remember as a child, as we see him separating the sheep from the goats, and it's a simple song that says, I just want to be a sheep, ba, 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 ba. Maybe our guests will sing that for us today. We'll see what happens, but it's a great one to remind us, I want to be a sheep because Jesus is my shepherd. That song rings in our ears, rings in our hearts, I would say, throughout our lives, and today we will dig more on what it means to follow our shepherd as his sheep. So open up your Bibles, put on your Christ goggles, for the gifts are ready, ready for you. Thank you to our friends at Lutheran Heritage Foundation for your support of Thy Strong Word. Visit lhfmissions.org for more information, lhfmissions.org. As we come together today, it's a a good reminder to our listeners, if you've been listening throughout the month of March, is that basically all of March was different new guests, we have had a tradition here on Thy Strong Word prior to that, the Bible study, where we had um, regular guests, mainly from the St. Louis area. And we are so blessed. I continue to be blessed. I'm humbled by these guys every single time. And March, I decide I'm going to give them a month off. So we have all new guests throughout the month of March, um, from Alaska, from Florida, from different parts of the country. And it was really a lot of fun. But I am also very blessed to have, uh, I think, seven of these guys who are still regulars. And today we have one of our regulars back, Pastor Kevin Parviz of Congregation Kai V. Shalom in St. Louis, Missouri. Uh, Pastor Parviz, a blessed Lent and welcome back to Thy Strong Word.
1: Yeah, it's good to be here. How are you doing?
0: I'm doing great. I'm doing great. How uh, how is your how's your family? How are you and give us some update on on the the Saints at Kaivishalom.
1: Well, we're all doing well. We're just uh, I mean we had a really busy March and we're going to have a really busy April. We're getting ready for our Passover seder and our Holy Week celebrations. Uh, yeah, so it's it's all good. We had our St. Patrick's Day Uh, outreach here, uh, again, in our neighborhood, giant parade, lots of people, so it's a great opportunity to share the gospel. How's your family doing? I'm sorry. Go ahead. I said, no, I will not sing that song for you.
0: (laughs) I mean, I think the anticipation of our listeners was off the charts, so you sure you won't sing it
1: for us? I don't even know it. (laughs) (laughs) I've heard... I've heard allusions to that song, but I don't think I've ever actually heard it.
0: <laughs> well, I tell you what, I mean, it goes simple like this I just want to be a sheep, ba, 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 ba. Now, if you actually really love the Lord, what you do, Pastor, is you put your hands up to your ears, put your thumbs on your ears, and you would make it like you have sheep ears, ba, 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 ba. Uh, that's if you really love the Lord, but it doesn't sound like that's going to be possible.
1: Yeah, that's true.
0: <laughs> We're <on the> right <laughs> anyway. Here. That's right, it doesn't doesn't matter anyways, we're on the radio. So, Pastor, as we are looking at Matthew 25 today, can you begin our time in prayer?
1: You bet. Father, we do uh, know that the time is short, though. In our limited frames of reference, it certainly seems long, but we do uh, anticipate eagerly your return. And yet, Father, during this time in which you continue to delay for the sake of the elect, we pray, Father, that you would, by your Spirit, uh, anoint us anew for proclamation that many would hear the gospel, and that when that day comes, they would certainly be sheep. May you may you bless us this day, and may you give us uh, your wisdom for this word. And uh, Lord, as we anticipate, especially the coming weeks, uh, Holy Week, and all that that goes with, Father, may we not take that for granted. For that sacrifice is our salvation. Beshem Yeshua, in Jesus' name, Amen.
0: Amen. If you have any questions concerning our text today from Matthew 25, um, send us an email, kfuo at kfuo.org, or call us on this live program, 314-821-0850. 314-821-0850. Now, I'm going to read all of our verses today, which is from Matthew chapter 25, beginning in verse 31. And I want to encourage our listeners, before we hear Pastor Parvi's first thoughts, encourage our listeners, you've probably heard this Many times, uh for many of you, you are uh for most of you, you are you know scholars really, I would say uh learned it in the scriptures, and this is something very important for us to always take a step back. I've been very challenged this week as I studied this because there's some stuff I hadn't really thought about much and and it's good for us to always step back, look at the grace that is there, like I said, put on our Christ' goggles, but also to see the seriousness of what is said in these verses. so we'll read verses thirty one Um, until the end of Matthew 25, the final judgment is a heading. And once again, we'll be reading from the English Standard Version. We hear the, the word of Christ. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. Before him will be gathered all the nations, and he will separate people one from another, as shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will place the sheep on his right, but the goats on his left. And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, truly I say to you, as you did to one of the least of these my brothers, you did it to me. Then he will say to those on his left, depart from me, you cursed, into eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me no food. I was thirsty and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger and you did not welcome me naked, and you did not clothe me, sick and in prison, and you did not visit me. Then they will answer saying, Lord, when do we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not minister to you? Then he will answer them saying, truly, I say to you, as you did not, as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. These are our words for our reflection and study for this morning, Pastor. There, as you mentioned in your prayer, is this is important to be able to get this section correctly because it can really go in a lot of very bad directions. How do you want to start us off on the right foot?
1: Um, well, I can never guarantee the right foot, but um,
0: <laughs> a foot. Give me a foot at least. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. But anyway, you know, I, I suppose the. You know, I view Matthew 24 through 25 sort of the best exposition of the end times as there is. It certainly isn't in Revelation. The Revelation has spawned so much bad theology. Uh, And this is Jesus actually teaching it in his own words, and it's a pretty clear exposition on what will happen. And, you know, I think the the three things that struck me, especially as you were reading, is that... Um, all the nations, all people will proclaim him Lord, and, and we know mm-hmm. that. You know, by when he returns, everyone will recognize him. But by then, it would appear from his own words that it's too late. Uh, those who who are who are cursed are still calling him Lord, and yet still cursed. Um, and so that's that's an interesting perspective, I think. And I think one of the things that we often forget about the resurrection of the dead is that all flesh is resurrected to be judged. You know, we often think about, you know, we who are saved by faith through Christ are saved for eternal life, but all flesh are raised to eternal life. It's how we spend that eternity that is the distinction that Jesus is making here.
0: And so as you look at that, it is, uh, it's vital for us to remember that, because why is that so important that we realize that everybody will be raised and judged? How, how would you say that we typically think through that or filter through that, especially in our American context?
1: I just think we, we tend to, and I think it's how we communicate to those who we are attempting to share the gospel with, I think that it is our natural inclination to consider the resurrection our purview. Uh, You know, but certainly the resurrection of Jesus is, is is the foundation of our faith. But when we talk about resurrection, we think it is only of Christians. When in reality, it's important, and you know, we always have to be careful how we're speaking these words. Um, you know, I, I deal with a lot of people, and, and frankly, I'll be honest with you, they're all pretty well pagan. Um, they're not even Judeo-Christian, right? And so um, when we talk about the resurrection, it's important for them to recognize, especially if they if they have any at least understanding of the Judeo-Christian perspective as given through the Scriptures— that resurrection is for all people. We will all be resurrected. And, you know, in, in Jewish in Jewish thought, we have Daniel chapter 12. We talk about the resurrection of life, and then we talk about a judgment there. Um, and the reality is that the judgment is a real thing that we all have to look forward to. Now, the reality is, how do we prepare for that? Mm. Um, you know, in, in our text today, Jesus makes this distinction of, of works. And, and good works cannot save us, and yet Jesus seems to be thinking here, you know, those of you who, who clothed me and fed me and visited me and all, all the things that Jesus says to the righteous, I mean, their whole perspective is, when did we do that, Lord? And, and yet they did. They didn't recognize mm-hmm. that they were doing it for Christ, perhaps, or to Christ, perhaps, but just by the very nature of who we are in Jesus and the natural, well, I, won't, I don't want to say natural, the spirit-filled works that pour out from us because mm-hmm. of our faith are those wakes that, works that Jesus is talking about. And there's the inclination here on the part of the just to say, if we had known it was you, we would have done that for you. Uh, uh, and the reality uh, is Jesus puts them back on their heels here because you didn't do it for anyone. And, and there are those who will do good works, not for the sake of Christ, but for the sake of themselves. And ultimately, even the most uh, fil- you know, philanthropic people who do good works, when when, it's, when all, all is said and done, we don't necessarily do those good works for the sake of the people that we're helping. But, you know, when we truly are introspective, we have to recognize that those good works are for us.
0: It, in our in our church we're studying the gospel of Matthew, um, and, and it's been a real, real joy to go through it here on KFUO and then go slowly, even slower than here as we go through our studies. And it really it really rubber hits the road when you get to Matthew six, where it talks about giving to the needy, practicing righteousness, and and how often to do these things we in our hearts, like to be noticed doing them, whether it's giving yeah. or serving or facebooking it on there or put it on Instagram, whatever it might be, and and I like that the connection that I see exactly what you're saying is just that um, Jesus is very clear in Matthew six that you have had your reward that if you're doing it for the sake of yourself alone. Um, not to say that you can't feel good about serving people. That was one of our discussions. Like, well, is it bad to feel good that you're doing something good? Um, and and the reality is, well, it's okay to feel good. But we always have to check ourselves at the door and say, okay, are we doing this to the glory of God or for the glory of myself? And if it's for the glory of myself, then we have got our reward. And that is very clearly laid out here on that last day. Any, any last thoughts or any other thoughts you have before we dig in?
1: I could get myself in a lot of trouble here, so I think I'm going to let you start.
0: <laughs> well, if you get in trouble, then I'll get in trouble. That's not good. Um, so <laughs> let's get into I mean, the I, verses I, I, here.
1: I should, I should say this, though. I I really often wonder about even faithful Christians who, who build these edifices, and then they get them named after themselves. And right. that always... Because that's a very Jewish thing, you know, that, you know, in in Jewish cultural and and tradition, that naming after ourselves is what keeps our memory alive in the lives of our families. But, um, but, you know, sticking sticking my name on a Christian edifice that I've provided and given, it, it just seems a little out of place.
0: And I think that's a good thing for us to remember. Two things with that is, one, the struggle is real. Two, we yeah. don't want to throw anyone under the bus for their generosity or their why they chose what they chose. But it's a good reflection for us. Lord, where am I <laughs> trying to find glory for oneself? And then for us to have, a, I think, a good discussion, prayerful discussion, looking at the Word of God and saying, you know, is this glorifying to God or myself? And that's a good reflection for all of our listeners, I appreciate that, uh, Pastor, because that's good for us all to consider um, during our time. Well, so, for, what's thanks,
1: that? Thanks for bailing. that it, it <laughs> really is a sensitive issue. I, I don't take. <laughs> it's really hard to take any gift. Uh, and we're a we're a faith ministry. We re, we rely on the generosity of, of believers who stand right. with us and and support us. And but I. To, to take a designated gift for a particular purpose in a particular name, it's very hard for me to do, because that just reeks so much of my Jewish background. Gotcha. And, and that's not okay. what we're about as Christians. You know, our identity is in Christ, not in a, an, a, an exhibit at the zoo, you know?
0: Right. Right. Yeah. We're not a, we're not a museum, you know, it's the living and active God um, as we do this. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you are listeners, uh, you know, well, and I I like how you brought that up because it is a very important distinction for us to always consider as Christians. So uh, thank you for your honesty on that pastor. So let's dig into the text as we look at Matthew 25, I'll read 31 to 33. Now we're going to keep this very simple, um, and, but at the same time, there's just, there's a lot of gems in here. So verse 31, when the son of man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne before him would be gathered all the nations and he will separate people from one another as she- a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats and he will place the sheep on his right, but the goats on his left. Now let's get to a kind of basic Sunday school, um, kind of distinctions here, Pastor, kind of lay this out for us. What's happening? What is Jesus talking about?
1: I mean, this is the judgment. I mean, it is when you are placed on Jesus' left as a goat, you are judged. Um, and so it, it is the the separation of the elect and the unelect. Um, and, and, you know, I think one of the things that always strikes me about this and this is another issue I have to deal with with, with with regard to the end times, because, you know, every day I pray, come Lord Jesus. And my, my Advent refrain is daily, right? I, I, especially as this world keeps spiraling into absolute absurdity, I continue to pray, come Lord Jesus, and I look for that day. But I think that day is going to be a hard day, mm-hmm. and not just for the goats, but also for the sheep. Because the reality is, while there will be no more tears in heaven, that day we will see our friends, our family, our loved ones on Jesus' left. Mm-hmm. And that's just got to be a hard thing to anticipate. And I don't know exactly what to expect when I have I, have, I, have, I mean I, perhaps I'm bold enough to say because of my faith in Christ, that I am bold enough to say I will be on His right. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I can't speak for anybody else, and you know, I I have a feeling that's going to be a hard day for all people. But I'm not sure we think about that.
0: I, well, I, I t- there's a reason why that happens, is because it's quite terrifying um, to really ponder that, and and to be able to, uh, as Christians, to love and care with that in the back of our minds. And I like how you said this too, that I can only speak for myself on this, that I can say Jesus is Lord only by the Holy Spirit. At the same time, I can't speak for other people, but there are activities and lack of activity in faith that makes us very terrified. So pastor, let's think of it this way. What is a good way for us to be able to feel that grief at the same time have a, a zeal in, in the reality that we live in. So basically saying, how do we make sure that we aren't losing our minds in grief, while at the same time caring and loving for people with the kind of zeal that we should have, knowing this reality of the separation of sheep and goats? What are your first thoughts?
1: Well, in our ministry I have a perhaps a bad saying, <laughs> because I don't honestly think that the I, I think all of our evangelism should be motivated by love and the gospel. But I often say, "But the law ain't half bad." Uh, you know, if, if we are, if we, if we understand the reality of this this text, you know, our our hearts should be broken for those people who we know. You know, there's, one, there's two distinctions I have to make here. There are those who, you know, as St. Paul said, if you uh, confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Now, we can hear that confession, but we can't see into that heart. So we make assumptions in the visible church about who is saved and who is not saved. And yet, of course, we know that there's fruit that comes from faith, and we dare not you know, I just don't think we we should dare not judge a fellow professed believer, uh, even based upon their fruit, necessarily, because we our mm-hmm. fruit is not all that great either sometimes. But the reality is, we know there are those who do not even confess with their lips. They are, as I just put it earlier, kind of the pagans among us. And... uh I mean, those we can, we can discern. We know who they are. And our hearts should break for them. And uh, not just because of the law, but because of the love that we've received from Christ and and the salvation that we feel confident in is not theirs, and they don't even care. And that just, it floors me, and that, that should break our hearts. I mean, I, I think of Jesus' lament outside of Jerusalem, which is coming up in our readings here for first Palm Sunday, and he cries out for his own people who who do not who who have not received him and who will not receive him, and his heart is broken for them, and that's it's not a function necessarily of the law per se; it is his love for them that they re- refuse to receive
0: and this is something that for our congregation, this next Sunday is Palm Sunday. And 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 this is a good reminder. I mean, what a time of joy it is as we come to Holy Week. I mean, what a joy to know all these things that we do grieve. At the same time, we see the fullness of what Jesus has done for us. And so what I've done the last two weeks, because I can get kind of grumpy this time of year. You get to confirmation and and you grieve the past, those, those young people. And we're talking generations, I'm not just talking like my time in ministry, but generations of those who have confirmed their faith um, in the Lord Jesus. You know, I'm baptized and therefore I'm confirming what I received in my baptism and they are done and then they leave or they don't come back. Or even if they go throughout high school and they don't come back or you just grieve. And instead of me taking all that energy, which I still have for grieving, um, I decided the last two Sundays during Bible study, I made a list of all the confirmants since I started in ministry. And just wrote them all down, and we prayed for them. And no judgment beyond anything else, but just saying, Lord, they're yours. Lord, if there's a way we can witness to them, give it to us. Uh, we lay them at your feet and ask for your Holy Spirit to work. And that's, that's kind of my encouragement through this, because Pastor Parvies is just really laying out the the full reality of what these words are. And they're very serious, and that's why we once again pray. Pastor, anything else on those first uh, verses 31
1: through 33? No, I'm, I'm trying to be happier than I am.
0: Hey, but it, you, I think you are happier than, you, than, you're, than you're thinking you are. So let's continue on. Verses 34 through 36. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Pastor, it says they're at his right. Any significance that you have found with saying, okay, he's at the right hand of Jesus? What does that tell us?
1: Well, my, uh, my son's name is Benjamin, and his, and his name means son of the right hand. Mm. And uh, Benjamin, and of course, we know that as Jesus ascended, he sits at the right hand of God. So there's this inclination, if we look, at, you know, if we think in our limited human perspective, uh, the, the crown uh, that is the Father's King of the universe, and his Son sits at his right hand, and we sit at his right hand, you know, my Son sits at his right hand. Um, there there is this—it's almost as if, uh, for Jesus anyway, there is this—he is the focal point of history upon which all things will go into infinity, either on his right or on his left. And, I, and so his right is, is to the right of the Father as well, and all things to the left are going to be judged to, to as we will talk about later, to not such a pleasant eternity. And so this, this right uh, right hand is a, it, it's a it's a common thread throughout the Hebrew Scriptures. Uh, our name is engraved on his on his hand. Um, so you know, I, I just I just see this this line of saints stretching into infinity at Jesus' right hand.
0: And as he as he looks at them, he goes through a laundry list. We have about a minute before our break. He goes through a laundry list and says, "This is what you did. Uh, you have been. You, this is the place prepared for you from foundation of the world. You were. I was. You gave to the hungry. You gave drink to the thirsty. I was a. And excuse me, me. You. I was a stranger and you welcomed me into your home. I was naked and you clothed me. I mean, right there, you're kind of. Oh, wait a second. A lot of questions arise." We have about a minute left before our break here, Pastor. How, what is, give us the simplistic answer to what is he saying?
1: Well, I mean, again, I think that the kingdom prepared for us for the foundation of the world is ours, not because of what we do. And Jesus didn't say because you, uh, I mean, the English translation says for, but it is the things that you do naturally flow from the faith that you have that is in in the redemption that God gives us through Christ
0: we're going to talk more about that on the other side of our break we are studying Matthew 25 with Pastor Kevin Parviz and we'll be right back We are studying Matthew 25 with Pastor Kevin Parviz of Congregation Kai V. Shalom in St. Louis, Missouri. Now, Pastor, what I'm going to do is I'm going to read 37 through 40, and I and I want us to reflect on this question, at least to begin, is you said very well, we are not saved by works, but yet, um, well, it kind of sounds like he's kind of saying that. So let's continue verse 37 through 40. Then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them. Truly I say to you, as you did to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. One time, Pastor, I was at a a theological presentation of of another different church body than our own. And they read this, and there was a definite strong implying, not a direct quote, a strong implying that the comfort in these verses is that those who are not in Christ might have a chance. What would would your response be as that can easily be interpreted that way?
1: I mean, the, the whole second-chance theology is pretty rife uh, in the world of, of Christendom sometimes, and especially among the Jewish, uh, the, the Jewish evangelism organizations. And yet, the reality is, Jesus doesn't say that here. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, basically, he is talking to who are already defined as the righteous, the sheep who have been separated at his right hand. Uh, and so those are th- those are confirmed and they're non-plus. they're wondering when did we do these things to you, Lord? We just lived our lives and, and praised you and, and and thank you for your, sa- your sacrifice. And he says, all the things that you did that you did in my name, even if you didn't know you were doing them in my name, those are good works and and, you, and those are the fruit of your spirit that poured out of you. And, you know, as I said in the earlier part the The left hand will say, well, if we'd have known it was you, we would have done those things, because we need to earn our way in. Uh, And that's not the issue. That's not what Jesus is saying. And there is no second chance. Well, there's no inclination here for the goats to sort of, well, there probably is. But there's no evidence that the goats kind of wander over onto the right-hand side and sort of slide in without being noticed. I mean, there is no second chance. These are the separation that's happened.
0: And so when they, the righteous seem surprised. I mean, these are the ones that in faith, you know, like you said, trusted in the Lord to send a Messiah. The Messiah came and they believed them, believed him. And they seem surprised. Any any thoughts on that? That's kind of a unique part of this text. Like, wait, when did I do that? What does that tell us about, well, about the righteous?
1: I can, I can always speak about me, but... Most of the time let's just be honest i don't always feel like that good of a person You, you said just the other just a few seconds ago that the last couple of weeks you've you, you've gotten a little grumpy my <laughs> my my grandchildren call me grumpy that is my name and um I just don't You know, if Jesus were to say, well done, good and faithful servant to me, I would say, wow, it sure didn't feel like I was a good and faithful servant, Lord, but thank you. Thank you for your blood that covered even my sins. Um, You know, we are, I think we, I mean, if any of us are just going to be honest, we rely on the fact that, yes, I will confess with my mouth, and I do believe in my heart, but my life is not always, and, and that's the tragedy of the visible church, is that the, the lives that we lead, the world will see the things that we do wrong. Jesus apparently only sees the things that we do in his name for him. Praise God for that. Uh, but, the, but sometimes the, the visible church can be pretty ugly, and we're part of that ugliness sometimes. And, I, and so their surprise is going to be my surprise even though I know this text.
0: <laughs> it is um, it is an interesting dynamic as we look at this, and it brings to another question. So you define very well when we look at all nations. There's no questions about that. It is all people, those who have died in Christ, those who have died without Christ, those who are alive in Christ, and those who are alive without Christ. And then it gets to verse 40, which can easily turn into something that can have bad theology once again. And it says, the king will answer them. Truly I say to you, as you did to one of these, the least of my brothers, you did it to me. Who are the least of my brothers?
1: Yeah. Who is my brother? Didn't mm-hmm. Jesus answer that question already?
0: <laughs> well, we all need a reminder. What do you got?
1: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it is. It is. It is anyone. Right. And I think that we do struggle with this, because often the word brothers is used in the scriptures to be a sort of pseudonym for fellow Christians. But, I mean, in the parable of uh, of, of the—come on, help me with the parable now. What's it called? The Good Samaritan.
0: Good Samaritan. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. When (laughs) Jesus answers, who is my brother, it is anyone who we help. It is our neighbor. It is the pagans among us. It is our fellow believers. It, it is just the the fruit of the natural. Th- Again, I say natural. It's only natural in Christ, right. but it's it's not something we think about doing, um, but it's something that just naturally flows from us because of Christ.
0: And it's it's interesting to to look at that because it. And who is my neighbor? You know, it's much like, once again, I'm going back to what we studied in, in Sunday Bible study is, you know, who's my neighbor? Who is my brother? Um, Jesus yeah. is very clear, speaks about, you know, when he's sitting with his disciples, these are my brothers, you know, those who do my will. Um, we see another a lot of places where he speaks he about his brothers.
1: His siblings, that too, which is really a hard part of that text.
0: Yeah. Can you imagine? Oh, my goodness. It's just it's just mind boggling yeah. at times. And yeah. and here, it definitely just kind of levels the playing field, no doubt about it. Even Dr. Gibbs in his commentary speaks a lot about that this could also be just directed at those who bring the good news of Christ, you know, when when he sends out his disciples and says, do not, do not bring food, do not bring money, any of those things. And if people deny you, then just wipe off your feet and move on. And he speaks very clearly on that. This is, you know, it could be that way. It could be seen as, as those who bring the good news of Christ, which I think, Fits as well into this text, but definitely we have this strong indication throughout the book of Matthew that we are called to to love our neighbor as ourselves, as as Christ has loved us. So clearly, who is it? Who who is it? It's 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 everybody, which is terrifying because there's some people I don't really necessarily want to be with, and now I'm going to be with them throughout eternity. No, just kidding. Um, right,
1: gotcha.
0: <laughs> anyway, not God- that's right. That's right. So pastor anything in those we you know now we've seen the sheep and it's clear that they have a shepherd. The eyes are on the shepherd as these words are coming. Any last thoughts before we get to the goats?
1: I just think it is um it's important to remember their surprise. That's that's the the key to the relationship that we have with Christ is that We we should be surprised, frankly. Yeah, I I have confidence in in my faith, but I mean, I'm. If it were up to me to get into heaven because of my works, uh, that would be the big surprise. So uh, I just praise God that it's not about that. And then He will say, "But you have done these good works, and I don't even know about them." But thank you, Lord.
0: And this, I mean, this brings us to. You know, when, when he talks about, well done, good and faithful servant, which happens right before our text, Matthew 25, mm-hmm. verse 23. And that's something that, you know, the parable of the talents can be just as terrifying in that way, because we all desire to hear those words. Well done, right. good and faithful servant. And that's where, like you said, that surprise shows us that it wasn't like they were giving a list and going, okay, see what I've all done here? the good and faithful servant is obviously Christ. And he gives us his own righteousness. And from there, he's always yeah. at work. So it's, it's you, you yeah. can't get away from Christ. The more you look at this, anything else, pastor, before we move on.
1: Nope. Move
0: on. All right. <laughs> All right, here we go. Verse 41. Like you said, they're separating the sheep from the goats. Verse, I will just read verse 41. Then he will say to those on his left, depart from me. You cursed into eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. Right there, Pastor, if we stopped at verse 40, we would be left with a little bit of comfort, a little bit of, okay, all right, yeah, this is good, this is great. Verse 41 definitely throws us to our knees. Um, yeah. What is he saying? And and, and the, the grief begins here. What are your thoughts?
1: I mean, you know, I, I talk to my students, my STEM students, a lot about <clears throat> when this. When did the devil get cast down into the earth? When was this rebellion in heaven that we read about? And, you know, it's somewhere in the creation story, but somewhere in that, these, the, these angels of God chose to rebel and, and set themselves up as either an equal or a, against, right? And mm-hmm. so from the foundations of the world, which I think is early in creation, um, this, this, these eternal, this, this fire was prepared for the punishment of evil, and that's what these people are now going to taste eternally. Uh, um, and it's just a harsh thing to think about.
0: Guaranteed, not a place that we want to be, no doubt about it. Even with total freedom, maybe you have total freedom to do whatever you want to do it's still not going to be the place that we want for ourselves or for anybody else for
1: that matter. Uh, yeah, let's see, continue on. People, Go ahead. I think separation from God is just going to be like eternal loneliness. And we don't know what, but this text seems to imply that that eternal life is, is going to be one of fire, uh, but, but fire eternally uh that's not just loneliness that's just not separation that's just not i don't care non-existence whatever people think that you know death outside of christ may or may not be Um, this is pretty graphic
0: so let's hear a little more about these goats verse 42 for i was hungry and you gave me no food i was thirsty and you gave me no drink i was a stranger And you did not welcome me naked and you did not clothe me sick and in prison. And you did not visit me. Then they will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not minister to you? This is here. Here we see the interaction of the goats and Jesus. So they clearly know that this guy is the savior. And what did they ask him? What what be, You know, it seems like before they're sent, they're able to talk back to Jesus, if you will. So it's kind of a unique interchange at this point. Explain this to us.
1: Well, you know, when when they, first of all, again, I emphasize they call him Lord. Now, there's other places in the scriptures where all nations will bow and will know that Jesus is Lord. Here's the evidence of that in this particular dialogue. And... Uh, so they refer to him as Lord, and then they say, you know. And again, I I do paraphrase. I see things in dramatic sense, but they're saying, when did we see you? When did you come to us? When we did not know it was you? That's not our fault. And and if we didn't know it was you, we would have done those things for you. Um, you know, that's just not an excuse. That is, there's. I mean, ignorance is no excuse, right? Um, that that's why it's important to tell about Jesus, so people can't claim ignorance, even though they're going to anyway.
0: That's, yeah, that's a good point. It's kind of like a speeding ticket. You know, I didn't know it was 30 miles per hour that you drive on every single day of your commute to work. (laughs) Anyways, so so it, it definitely gives us this understanding, as you said, Matthew 24 and 25, very clear. I mean, you can't get away from this, that There is salvation in Christ. That's very clear. Christ will come when we do not know. And there's a time where you can no longer enter. You know, this is the marriage feast. This is the ten virgins. This is all of that, that you have to a time, and then it is done. And this is very clear. You can even be talking to Jesus, and the time has passed. What yep. does that do to us as 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 Christians or as people in general? And I, I guess that hits us a certain way, and what does that tell the church of today as well?
1: Well, of course, one of the biggest concerns of almost all churchmen that I've ever talked to is that, you know, Easter Sunday is coming, and we're going to see people that we haven't seen all year. Maybe, you know, especially now with COVID-19, we haven't seen them in two years, Right. But but it's not that they don't they haven't been coming to church virtually, or they but there's just there's so many professing Christians and I use that phrase very carefully, professing Christians that just don't go to church right and and they will come on Christmas they'll come on Easter, so so there's it's twofold here. One of the things that we need to you know and I always say this. You know, evangelism to the unbeliever is really important because of this text, but evangelism to the believer is also important because we can walk away from the faith that Christ gives us. We can deny it after the fact. And, and so our, the church's responsibility is, and I use responsibility somewhat lightly, I suppose, but it's, it's our joy, but it's, it's also the things that we do is that we need to spend time encouraging our brothers and sisters in their faith and and helping you know you talked about the catechumen to confirm and then never come back to church i mean that is we don't know what you know sometimes i'll do these funerals of supposed believers who have passed away without seemingly any any relationship with god in christ uh, and all i can do then is just rely on their baptism and god's promises and baptism but the reality is, we don't know this stuff, so while we have time, talk to everyone. Encourage your brothers and sisters' faith, and talk to the unbeliever about Jesus, because when this day happens, it's over. So
0: it, it, it reminds us of the missionary zeal, and at the same time, like you said, it's a responsibility of the Church to proclaim the truth. But also to realize that we are really in that tension of Mark chapter four, the parable of the of the sower and the seed that we we plant the seed, the Lord plants the seed, and it and it grows, or sometimes it doesn't grow. We do not know how. That's where I've seen a lot of battles between churches or whoever who try to make it sound like we are doing it better than you.
1: Yeah, <laughs> and, 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 and that. You know, we, be- because yeah. our fellow fellow churchmen will often say evangelism doesn't really matter because the elect are the elect and the unelect are the unelect and what God mm-hmm. chooses has nothing to do with you. But you know, there's th- this whole business of what what the righteous have done in their lives is because people have encouraged them in their lives, the spirit as well as fellow brothers and sisters to live their lives in relationship with Christ. And, I, you know, I don't want to walk that tension, but I just know that, humanly speaking, until that day occurs, we have time to share. Now, yes, maybe nothing I ever say or do in my life has anything to do with who's elect and who's unelect. Okay, I'll accept that, but that doesn't mean that God gives me a, a path from the, joy of growing my own faith and telling people about Jesus.
0: And that's what we're hearing right here and right now, is the joy, I like how you put that, the joy of the gospel. This is something where, um, you know, you get to this time of Lent, and yeah, I'm grumpy. You know, it, it sounds like Pastor Parvey's is eternally grumpy, um, but anyways, yeah, <laughs> Sorry about that. But I, I get I get grumpy too, I can't deny it and and one of the uh we're doing a bible study for LWML and and it's a bible study on joy and it's almost this weird thing cuz it's going to be great it's going to be a great bible study on joy but we kind of act like we can't have joy during lent there's no joy here you know there's no joy in mudville there's no joy in the lutheran church I like, go, oh, come on now and and the, the joy is that we we still are, we're resurrection people you know that the, the christ is risen and so we do have that joy and so when people come on on Confirmation Sunday is another one of those Sundays where you we sometimes grieve, we we just we give them the Lord, you know, and Good Friday and Easter Sunday, we give them the Lord and what joy there is in that. Grief, yes. Comfort, because it's all in his hands, yes. Responsibility, it can make us nervous, yes. But ultimately it comes down to that Christ is risen from the dead, and we can have that joy even during Lent. And that's where I think we always have to. Make sure we don't end on verse uh, 44, um, but that we yeah. remember that Matthew continues all the way to chapter 28. So, yeah, there it is. I, I'm trying to I'm trying to think of a quip of Pastor Parvee, Pastor the Grumpy Parvee, But but you're not that grumpy. Come on now, we there's so much joy that you proclaim on this program.
1: I hope so. But I I, <laughs> I honestly took that that nomenclature thinking it was tongue in cheek with my grandchildren. <laughs> and I've discovered over time that it's not so much tongue in cheek. <laughs> but, um, but oh, uh, you shoot. know, and again, I think we have to remember that, yeah, while we may never, and, and, you know, I don't pretend to understand God, but, you know, yes, God's elect are God's elect, and I'm not going to say that my activity de- is de- is dependent upon God's elect coming to faith. But I do know that when we, joyfully share our faith both with unbelievers as well as believers it mm-hmm. grows our faith and that's when jesus will say well done good and faithful servant."
0: amen to that so we have uh just a few minutes left in our time how about we finish our text and we will continue to see um what he has to say so we're in verse 45 and 46 oh by the way real quick is we have a member of our congregation here at Messiah that he has the same nickname, Grumpy. He even put on his jacket when he worked for his, uh, in his welding job. And he says this, Even Snow White loved Grumpy. Therefore the Lord yeah. even loves you, he says. I think That's, it's just a great quote.
1: That <laughs> so is, let's yeah. continue Good on for verse 45.
0: <laughs> verse 45 and 46. Then he will answer that them saying, a- Truly yeah. I say to you, as you did not do to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. So obviously this part doesn't get any better, but what is what is Jesus saying? What's the truth that he's saying here?
1: I mean, I, you know, again, I think that we tread on ice or eggs or whatever the saying might well be. When we try to establish who is elect and who is not elect and what is our role in their lives, the bottom line is live your life for Jesus and rejoice in it. Mm-hmm. Even dare you say the A word during Lent. Um, <laughs> I, but, but you know, Jesus finishes this particular part of his, of his teaching here, I think, intentionally on the focus on the righteous into eternal life, and that is for you rejoice in that and share it with others
0: well and that's and that is where there is joy um and this is where clearly paul in philippians while in joy and in jail excuse me not in joy too but in jail tells the people rejoice in the lord again i will say rejoice um
1: yeah, I often wonder if I if I was given the opportunity to give up all things like Paul for the sake of Christ, could I do it? And I hope I can. But uh, Paul is pretty amazing in Philippians. It's one of my favorite epistles.
0: Oh, amen to that. And and truly, you can't tell me that Paul was not grumpy from time to time, no. or maybe he was eternally okay. grumpy. Who knows? Yeah. But Guaranteed. this is all <laughs> all by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, Pastor, as we, and, and you know, I'm going to repeat that verse here, um, Philippians 4, verse 4, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Which is a reminder of what the comfort is throughout all of this, is that, um, that you, you know, I was there and, and you did not feed me. Da, 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 da. One of the main premises with all this is that, that Jesus is is there. This is our Emmanuel. It brings us back to Christmas. Like you talked about Advent, you know, come quickly. But at the same time, the promise of our Emmanuel is always with us. Paul knew that. And may the Holy Spirit remind us that that is true for us as well. Pastor, we have about two minutes left in our time. Any, any, any last or summarize our verses today? And how would you encourage our listeners?
1: Well, I think you did it well, and Jesus does this as well here. Uh, when Paul says the Lord is at hand, a lot of people interpret that to mean the Lord's return is at hand. Uh-huh, but, yeah. the, you know, as you put it, the, the Lord is always with us. He is ever-present. And and again, the name of God in the Godhead, uh, you know, this Yahweh, this I am that I am, is an, is a, is an eternal present, Case right, and and so we don't have to sit around waiting for the end times. I'm not going to go sell everything, put on a sheet, and go sit on a mountain and wait for Jesus to return. He is with us now, and He calls us to live these lives uh, that He that just flow from us because of the living water that He has poured into us. So rejoice, you know. Yes, I look forward to the end of the physical world because it's just so ludicrous. But, you know, until that time, the Lord is with us now and rejoice in Him, even when we have to listen to the news.
0: Now, Pastor, I'm going to ask this final question. We have about a minute left, is as you work with the Jewish community, first of all, what are the prayers that you would ask for our listeners to pray for you and your work, but also uh, just, I don't know, just the realities as you work within that specific community and what we hear in our text today?
1: Well, I mean, the harshest thing about uh, working with the Jewish community is their perception of the Church and of Jesus because of the Church. And so, you know, my, my often my prayer is simply that, that they can get over these cultural uh, realities that have been historically in the Church and, and just, just look at the Hebrew Scriptures uh, seeking that, that, that God would show them the truth. Um, and and that's my prayer, is that they would just read their own texts and pray that God would show them the truth. And and when he does, it is that truth that is in Messiah Yeshua.
0: As it says, but the righteous into eternal life, and their righteousness only comes from Christ. Pastor Kevin Parviz of Congregation of Kai V Shalom in St. Louis, Missouri, giving us God's strong word from Matthew chapter 25. Pastor Parviz, great to have you on again, and thank you for bringing us his gifts.
1: Yeah, thank you, and sorry I'm so grumpy.
0: (laughs) As it says, no white, still love grumpy, and the Lord still loves you in Christ. I'm your host, Brady Finner, pastor of Messiah Lutheran Church in Sartell, Minnesota. Thank you for joining us, and the Lord keep you safe in the palm of His hand.